1: Hey, everybody, this is Phil Town.
0: And this is Danielle Town.
1: Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We are diving deep into Warren Buffett style investing for the last many years. Oh, yes. Which tells you that it's very, very simple, but not <laughs> very, very easy. Now, those are, I hate to say that honestly, because it, I think it really is easy, but you have to overcome so many things that are going on um with your desire to you know win big or your fear of losing right. everything totally like these these two things get in the way so much so we've been talking about a couple of the extremes here um last time um kind of the bell curve of investing which goes from really really super conservative investing that ben graham did back in the 1930s which may come back into Vogue again. I guess if we ever have a real big depression, and that is, I found that really net- interesting nets.
0: to talk about the like changes over time periods of mm-hmm. what kind of long term investing works in different. What
1: constitutes a conservative bet, right? Oh, what that's another way to a put conservative it. Conservative investment. Yeah. So back in the depression, the the what people discovered over a relatively short period of time, right, from the 19, from 1929, late 1929 to, I mean, really probably in 1941 or so, 42, that you couldn't make money in the stock market. And, and there was like a generation of investors came into believing that you couldn't make money in the stock market. The only thing it was good for was dividends. And Ben Graham had an idea that you could make money in the stock market if you bought companies really cheaply. So you had to come to understand something about them and you buy them really cheap. And of course they were available really cheap because a lot of companies were going out of business. So that's what he called, he he called his system, the net net system where he was buying companies just for essentially the cash and a super discounted view of accounts receivable and a super discounted view of inventory and then subtract everything that company owes. And then you buy it for about 80% of that. That would be a conservative deal.
0: I remember you asked me if I knew what NetNet was, and I kind of like sort of thought I did. But what I was thinking of was like, definitely not that. I just thought it (laughs) meant like (laughs) an ultra cheap company of some sort.
1: (laughs) You got that part right.
0: Yeah, I mean, that part was right. But the details, I think, are really interesting of exactly like how you or how he broke down the money out and money in and then whatever legit money you have at the end buy it for less than that
1: now if you really want to get into all this daniel you can read security analysis by ben graham i was David thinking God.
0: because yeah because i have like <laughs> i don't know you i have it. i, I have on my i'm going to say i've like read through it i'm not sure i digested yeah, <laughs> exactly because it's a very dense book and i read it, it at is. the beginning of my investing practice but as i've discovered through this whole thing Whatever I read at the beginning of investing practice, like when I first started, it's a completely different experience to read it now, five or right. six years in, like to the point where I basically didn't read it that first time <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. the effect that it would have. I mean, it had an effect at the time, but, um, but yeah, to come away from security analysis and not know what net nets are like that's it's a really big part it's a big takeaway that most people have from that book and i definitely didn't take it away so it's really it's just a it's an interesting um experience to realize how much there more is to know how much more there is to know
1: Um, some books you can sort of read quickly you know
0: of course. That's Security not one of them. Security analysis
1: is like reading calculus quickly. <laughs> yeah. not going to
0: happen. I mean, even the intelligent investor, which is much more readable, is still quite dense.
1: It is. it is. Well, that is sort of one one extreme of this sort of bell curve in investing. And when Warren Buffett first started, he was deeply into the net-net philosophy in the middle 1950s. And then gra- gradually it started to become clear that it is very, very difficult to find those kinds of bargains as the market started coming back from world war two and the economy mm. started booming. And then Charlie Munger came along as we said last time and said, look, man, this is just so much better if we buy fair buy wonderful companies at a fair price than buying these cigar butts at a cheap price. Let's, let's, uh, let's buy wonderful businesses. And that really is the, became the future of Berkshire Hathaway. And, um, it's fascinating reading to, to read Buffett's letters as he made this transition that took a number of years. I think Berkshire was kind of a net net. It wasn't really a net net, but it wasn't really a wonderful business either. It was kind of a crap business. Yeah, And the lessons he got there ultimately formed how he would be an investor in the future. But just take heart, you guys. I mean, this was a 15-year journey for Buffett. Okay, And he's brilliant. I mean, from 1955 to about 1970 when things really got into focus and he really started implementing with a lot of money, these ideas that we've been teaching you guys. Well, um, and he wrote
0: in his letters that he deeply regretted how long it took him to Mm -hmm. let go of that idea of sticking to the cigar butt strategy and to move towards the idea that there could be wonderful companies that you would pay more for. Um, I thought that was quite surprising that he put that in one of his annual letters, how much he regretted not yeah. uh, sort of breaking away from his teacher early, well,
1: especially because he, he gives so much credit to Graham for laying yeah. down some of the fundamental rules. But in, in all fairness, you know, you know, none of these guys did it by themselves. Graham had one thing that he figured out and that is don't lose money when you invest and this is how you do it. You buy net nets. So rule one comes from Graham. Um, Also the idea that you look at stocks as businesses come from Graham. Um, So that's very, those are really unique points of view from from the first hedge fund manager and then Mm -hmm. Buffett of course takes it from there. But, um, and that, that is the center of our sort of investing world is buying wonderful businesses when they go on sale. And then we get out to the extreme. Um, As we head out there, we're probably looking at businesses that are in the tech industry that live or die on creative destruction. Those are much more difficult to figure out for the long run, you know, who's going to win. And then we get clear out here on the other end. And by the way, Buffett is in all of these ranges to one degree or another. Mm -hmm. Um, And you get all the way out on the other end and you're in the options world, which is a leveraged place to be and is—by leveraged, I mean— you get a lot of, uh, of uh, return per dollar if you win uh, the way most people play options, and you lose, uh, you can lose everything that you put into an investment. So we don't consider options trading to be investing. We we don't think investing, and we've talked about this a lot, we don't think investing is anything except buying something you understand for a lot less than it's worth. That's investing. You're You're going to make money on it in the long run.
0: I completely you might not agree know how much, with that. But you will. Yeah.
1: And and it, and trading is a euphemism for gambling. That's all it is. Gambling. So let's get that clear. When we get out here in the options world, you're gambling. Now, I grant you you can gamble as the gambler or the casino. <laughs> you, <can> be, <laughs> you, you have a choice of which which one you want to be, <laughs> but it's still gambling, even for the casino. You were gonna say something.
0: Huh. Uh, now I'm debating if casinos actually gamble or if that's an investment that they fully understand. And- I,
1: I would argue the, the latter, I think. they <laughs> I don't think the casinos are gambling particularly. Yeah,
0: I don't and, think
1: so either. I think
0: they know it's stacked do, for them.
1: I mean, we were just talking about an options trade um, before we started the broadcast today that we're contemplating that will produce, if I decide to do it, it'll produce a 22% return well, it could. On, That's the point. It could. No, it, it will. It's it's a guaranteed return. I get it up front. They hand me the money
0: Yeah, up
1: front. Right? Yeah. That
0: doesn't and mean then, you walk away with it.
1: No, it does. It means you always get that money. No, what I know. is <laughs> your risk? I, I really like to think about this this way because okay. I think it matters. Okay. Go ahead. Is that your risk is that you you own that business. You You're risking... The same thing you're risking if you were to buy that business today. That's what you're risking. Um, actually, you're probably risking substantially less than if you buy that business today because your net position in the business, should you end up buying it, will be less per share than you would pay today, substantially less. So it's a really interesting thing to think about. If you're, and we're not gonna get all into all the way I think about it, options right now. But I I just want to talk about sort of the extreme side of options trading, which is in the news a lot with people who are doing meme stocks. So there's there's your all the way out on the edge stuff.
0: But I just want to like clear out where we are here. So we're talking about Buffett and what you mentioned a few times is like this bell curve of Buffett's investing strategies, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And One yeah. end is the net nets, which we talked about last time. And and so now you're saying like, this is actually one of Buffett's strategies on the other the, end, the more the like, strategy I um, mentioned speculating and yeah. it's
1: a speculation, but he's the casino. I would, I would categorize his kind of options trading as being the casino, mm-hmm. and by that, which would make sense if you're, if you're a Buffett fan, you, you'd be thinking he would want to take that side of the bet, the safer side of the bet, the one that's nearly a sure deal. Right. Mm -hmm. That's in other words, the casinos are going to lose from time to time. But your point was, in the long run, they don't. The odds are built into the games. And so Buffett does that same thing, essentially, with these kinds of investments. And that I mean, the reality is he's one of the largest in terms of sheer dollars, one of the largest options traders in the world. He's made some very major options bets that are on right now in his portfolio. And how, are where are you
0: seeing that?
1: Um, annual reports and his, his report hmm. coming in. Okay. I mean, the, the biggest one that he's done that caught a lot of attention was in the press a few years ago. It's quite, quite a number of years ago now, but it's still in, in play is a very long term option. I think it was 10 years. I'm, on Bank You of guys America. can correct me on this. Hmm?
0: On Bank of America?
1: No, uh, on the S&P 500
0: oh on the S&P
1: yeah he basically he basically created a bet that uh, i guess banks and and mortgages took he, he created a bet where he would be willing he in, in the bet he is obligated to buy the S&P 500 for millions of shares uh, it's billions of dollars um, at a set price of, let's say, I, I don't have the numbers exactly, but let's say it's $10,000 per share. Hmm. So he's willing, uh, that's the Dow, excuse me. So let's, let's call it the Dow. See, you'll get the same idea. I, I don't know the S&P numbers very well, but so he's willing to buy the Dow Jones Industrial Average at 10,000 a share. Okay. And he's willing to do that um, at the end of a 10 year period. So the, the, People who have the right to force Buffett to buy, let's say, the Dow at ten thousand, um, can't exercise that right until the end of the option contract. Okay. Got it. So at the end, if the Dow Jones Industrial Average is below ten thousand, they can force Buffett to buy all of those shares at ten thousand. So what those people have done is is basically bought an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. That that amount of their money, that part of their portfolio cannot lose beyond $10,000 on the Dow, 10000 uh, on the Dow. Mm-hmm. Anything below that, Buffett's taking that risk. Mm-hmm. So it's an insurance policy. And you shouldn't be surprised because Buffett's an insurance guy, right? Totally. Okay. So that's the the side of the insured. Just like when you get car insurance or health insurance, you're paying money. And somebody's taking on that obligation to cover you. And that's what Buffett has been willing to do. I'm going to cover these investors. So if the S&P 500 is below, or the Dow is below 10,000, then uh, I will buy their position for 10,000 each share. Okay? Something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And then they paid him an amount of money in the billions of dollars for this, to have this right, and to obligate him to do that. So they paid this big premium and Buffett did the calculation that over this long period of time a 10 year rough period if he could invest the money that they paid him at 6% per year Mm. he would have the money at the end of 10 years just using the premium right just the premiums they paid him invested Mm at 6% would give him enough money to pay off the bet if he lost (laughs) Well,
0: so, that's classic and, insurance math, isn't it? Isn't it?
1: Isn't it? <laughs> and, and so Buffett, who makes subnet, substantially more historically than, than that amount of money over the long term, has done something rather fabulous. It's very, very casino-ish. He's been willing to take a bet. He priced it at a certain price, or he was willing to do it at a certain price, that he saw conservatively he has no downside risk. So he's the casino. They're taking the gamble. It's not a gamble from their point of view. It's just insurance. Mm-hmm. It's just an insurance policy from their point of view. All right. So this is called a put option. It's a put option. And it is an option where one party is insured at a certain price that they're going to get paid that price if the stock price drops below that price. So if the Dow Jones went to 0, then Buffett would still have to buy it for 10,000 a share. Okay. So someone's yeah. insured. Yeah. And that's a that's called a put option. I mean, don't worry about the option language. It's just understand it as an insurance policy. That's one kind of option. But there's another kind of option. And that's the one I wanted to just talk about in reference to this sort of extreme risk side of things. Mm, so that okay. the, a put option for both parties tends to be a rather business-like transaction. Mm-hmm. Somebody's getting insured. They need the insurance. They're willing to pay for it. Somebody is willing to take that obligation. And in Buffett's case, he sees that he really could, like most of the insurance deals he does, he really can pay it off out of the earnings from the premiums. Mm-hmm. And that's what Berkshire's been doing for many, many years. So that's, that's a put option. It's, good, it, it's a business deal. And of course, people can always figure out how to make a game out of it. But that's not the one that's out in the news. The one that's out in the news is known as a call option and it gives someone the right to call, to, to take your stock away. So if you have obligated yourself on a call option, you've been obligated to sell your stock to somebody at a set price. And then the person that has the right to buy that stock at a set price has paid you for that right. Mm hmm. So this is the classic option. This is the, what most people think about when they think about an option. So if somebody came to your door and knocked on it and said, hi, hey, Danielle, um, I, you live on this nice 200 acres here, a nice farm. I would like the option to buy that farm from you at a certain price. Now, you've, you've been tracking the price of farmland here, and it's $10,000 an acre in this area, uh, fairly close to Atlanta. And um, I would like the option to buy this land from you for $15,000 an acre. So you're going to make money and I'm going to make a risk. I'm going to take a risk. So I'm going to pay you, um, let's just pick a number here. I'll pay you $500 an acre or I'll pay you $100 an acre for the right to buy it for 50% higher than the current market price.
0: And I would say, "What's the time frame?"
1: Yeah. And they would say, "Okay, for the next three years, mm. something like that. So it's a very, very good point. Options always have a time frame, just like your insurance policies do. so you would you would be interested at some amount of money for some period of time, right? If they said, "Hey, I'll give you a right. thousand an acre for the next month." Yeah, yeah. You might be doing that deal,
0: right, right.
1: So look at what happened there. Basically, a person came to your door and said, I would like to have the right to buy your property and I'll pay you for it. And you'd say, well, I don't mind being obligated if if the time frame is short enough and the money is big enough. Mm -hmm. I will be obligated because I think you're very unlikely that you would actually want to buy it, but I'll take your money. Right. That's the option premium. But if you do buy it, I'm going to make a killing. I'm going to go from 10,000 an acre to 15,000 an acre. Now, you ask, well, why would somebody do that, right? Obviously, why the homeowner would do it, you're going to make a bunch of money for no risk and make more money if they they buy it. So that's why you might do it, but why would they do it? And the reason they're going to do it is they're gambling that someone's going to build a golf course right through that area, that they're Mm -hmm. out collecting the land right now. You don't know about it. It's all super secret, but they know about it, and they're willing to bet Substantial amount of money that that's going to go through, and if they're right, that land at fifteen thousand an acre that they bought would be worth maybe a hundred thousand an acre, Mm -hmm. and they would make this giant, giant killing, right? Mm -hmm. But they've got to do it in in the right time frame, and the thing has to happen. So they're taking a risk. Okay, so that's the other extreme from net nets is the risks people take when they're doing call options they're buying a call option anticipating the price of this stock is going to go up now what's going on with these meme stocks is that these gamblers
0: what are you calling a meme stock
1: okay a meme stock is one which is has become a an idea a meme has become an idea in the minds of a lot of speculators that this idea is um, is kind of on fire that, oh, yeah, this looks really good. It's, I see that a lot of my friends or a lot of the people on this bulletin board or a lot of people in this website are really actively interested in promoting this company as being really badly underpriced and it's going to go up or that it's on the way up and more people are going to jump in. And we're going to jump in there and speculate that in fact it's the price is going up like a rocket.
0: So you're saying it's basically a company whose stock is being talked about online a lot. Like people are yeah. going back and forth, they're getting excited about it, they're discussing buying it and not buying it, and the merits and maybe just the excitement yep. um, through an internet community of some kind.
1: Right. Exactly. Okay. And this is like in we the discussed
0: press. at. Gr- Great length when the GameStop <laughs> stuff was happening. Right.
1: And and GameStop was the first really big meme stock. Of course, people point to other things that have happened earlier, but GameStop was gigantic because it's so crazy. So it was just like kind of lunacy that this company was gonna it was worth anything like what people were willing to bet on. And um And they turned out to be right and make millions of dollars. And that got everybody's imagination fired up that, Mm -hmm. oh, maybe Wall Street doesn't know what they're talking about when they say this thing is way overpriced or way over, you know.
0: I know. That's what I loved about it. It was great. it It was like people, frankly, like me, who are going, wait a second. This is actually not the black box of mystery that I have always thought it was. this makes sense? It's a company I... I get it. I understand it. I know it. I use their products. I've been buying stuff there since I was 12 years old. Right. And they've been going through a downturn and it looks like they might go up. And this makes sense to me. And all these other people think it makes sense. And let's do it. Like
1: Let's do it. Let's roll the dice here. And then there this was the whole like
0: Wall Street uh, trying to take them down part of it, which just made everybody feel like they were... In it fighting the man, which in lots of ways they were.
1: Oh, they were. Oh, they were indeed. Yeah, and that's absolutely. That's because these guys had taken what is known as a short position, which we talked about, and these hedge funds had taken a short position because they looked at the company and couldn't see that it could be worth anything remotely, like the price being paid for it in the market by people who were big mm-hmm. fans of the company, mm-hmm. and the, the fund managers thought well, these are just ignoramuses who don't know any better. They're the same people who are buying Tesla, you know, they're just paying whatever because they just love the company and they don't have any sense of what this thing is actually worth as a business. And <laughs> they're probably right. The hedge fund managers, they're being very rational. Wait, and but those guys, right. the
0: hedge funders short sold it before the reddit community got into it it was already oh, right. short the company
1: was going to go bankrupt that that's yeah. what their view was
0: yeah and then yep. the whole debacle came about when uh when trading was shut down by several brokerages or not trading <laughs> selling
1: yeah no, selling no. was it
0: buying or was it selling that wasn't allowed oh you
1: could buy it
0: you could buy it it was selling that you wasn't
1: allowed. you couldn't sell it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, Which really, really freaked people out yeah. and made Robin Hood sort of unpopular for a little while. But so how is,
0: what's happening now that is making you think about, are there more, because I truly have not been following it since then. So are there more companies now that people are getting excited about?
1: Oh, AMC became a big meme stock and then silver, oh, yeah. the silver ETF became a meme stock. And, uh, and basically I think it, it it's very difficult for a company to get as much pressure and attention as GameStop did. It's it was sort of a one off in the sense of how many people got on the back of that thing. And that was such how, a perfect
0: storm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: it was. And how joyous they were about crushing this hedge fund. Yeah. It was really it was really pretty cool. <laughs> I hope somebody <laughs> makes a movie. And so many people made millions and millions of dollars, and I don't know if they've kept it. But GameStop is still up there. I mean, it's at one hundred and fifty-five bucks right now while we're talking. And
0: their thesis um, was not ridiculous. Their thesis may be correct.
1: Yeah, the thesis is, isn't. There crazy. were they, some they people on a there with
0: some fundamental research. There genuinely were. I read their posts, and yeah, their yeah. thesis is that the company had been dealing with classic like brick and mortar problems, but they were transitioning into a much more internet focused company and that they had a new CEO and this guy had all these ideas for how they were going to transition the company and the ideas were good ones. And they were like, they're going to do it. I mean, it was not ridiculous. And maybe it'll happen. I hope so. I, I would kind of feel that it would be like wonderful business versus like Little guy versus terrible Wall Street justice.
1: <laughs> well, this is this is what these options guys do. Is they they but try how does to this find relate something. to
0: options. That's what I'm trying to. Well,
1: they essentially what they're doing is buying call options because they're so much cheaper than buying the stock. Right, the stock Wait, right now is, is doing fifty five dollars a share. A lot of the meme players. So a lot oh. of the people who are promoting the company online are buying options. To uh to profit with leverage, to profit, you know, more than just dollar for dollar as the stock goes up, they get more than dollar for dollar. Got it. By by doing this leveraged options trading. And it has they its own impact to. on the market. Yeah. Right? Because the people they they buy the options from are often professional traders and they don't want to be in a position of risk. They wanna be sort of delta neutral in the market where they don't have any risk. And therefore, they are going to be selling stock, or sorry, they're going to be buying stock to offset their position. So, um, let me just give you an example right now. I'm just looking online. Okay. Stocks at 155. And maybe this
0: goes towards the next episode if we.
1: Well, I think we're just going to cover it here. And I mean, this is pretty simple. Okay. And unless you got more questions, Danielle, but
0: right now it's at 155.
1: And and basically, if you said this is really going to go to 400 over the next year let's say by January of 2023 okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like 13 months um this is really going to go to 400 you can buy you can you can gamble essentially35 dollars right now and you have the right to buy that stock at three hundred dollars and then if it goes to 400 over that next year that will give you a $100 profit, less the $35 that you paid for the option, which means you made 65 bucks on a $35 bet in one year. That's 200%. So, you know, as opposed to you pay 155 right now and it goes to 400, you've put in how many times more money? Almost, well, over four times more money, right? to make mm-hmm. a similar kind of return. So you end up with about a quarter of the return that you would have made if you did the option. So options and give you a lot of bang tell me the for downside. The bu- well, the downside is that you have to be right and you have to be <laughs> right right now. <laughs> That's the part with options that people don't realize is there's a time factor going on here. You have to be right Jeez. and you have to be right right now, meaning you have to be right within the limits of your options trade. Now there's some things you can do to keep keep your money in the game, but it always costs you more and more money you have to add to it. But essentially, the biggest problem with options, as opposed to just buying the stock, is that you have you have a time factor. So if you buy the stock for 155 bucks, there's no time factor. You just sit on this thing for years, and maybe 10 years from now it's worth 200 and you mm-hmm. you haven't lost any money. Okay, great. Or maybe it's worth thousand dollars a year. But if you buy the option for 35 dollars. At the end of next year, it's going to run out. And if they didn't build the golf course, you got to go buy that option again. And so you can end up with a lot of losers with this kind of thing. I mean, moving from 155 to 300 would be huge, right? All by itself. But you don't get any of that. You don't get any of that. So also in order to not pay a huge amount for the option, you're basically uh, um, having to move way away from the money. Um, now another way to do this is to say, well I don't know if it's going to go to 400 or 300, but I'd like to buy an option right here right at the money um, and that would cost you 50 roughly fifty dollars. So you could buy it for 50 bucks right at the money and then um, which would probably be a lot smarter bet. And now you've got 50 dollars in it if it goes to uh, goes to um, 200 then you're making money. If it goes to three or you go to 200, you're breaking even. And if it goes to 300, you're making a lot of money. So you just find a price you're willing to pay. That makes sense for where you think that stock price is going to go. And you can lay down your bet and the casino would be happy to take the bet. The casino would. So we do a lot of these kind of options trading. And we really have a lot of fun with it because we really like to take the side of the house over and over again. And, um, The people who criticize what I do are are options traders that like to make a lot of money fast. They're out to make big home runs. And Mm -hmm. so they go like, you know, you're like a little chicken pecking up little bits of rice, right? The casino only makes a little tiny money on each bet. So they're like, you're like a little chicken eating little grains of rice. But when things go bad, you get pooped on by elephants. That's... (laughs) Me up.
0: What? So anyway, I won't we even. We have chickens to and elephants that. living together.
1: <laughs> I won't even bother to explain that chickens and elephants are living together in my mind. <sighs> oh
0: man,
1: oh, um, I God. think that means, that our means our we need to sure, stop. I think we, we tell our students um, be sure to look at the elephant's butt. Watch the elephant's butt. If it starts to pucker, get out of there. It's it's I'm giving you guys great lessons on options trading. I'm sure you'll be very successful with what you've just heard.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm cutting it off. I'm cutting you off. Um,
1: oh my God. We will By conclude the way,
0: this next time with some sort is,
1: of It is coming understanding. up on, on Christmas.
0: It Yes, it
1: is. It's coming up on Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful New Year's. And uh, we're looking for next year, I think, is going to be very exciting. We're, things are shaping up to make next year a really amazing year uh, in the economy and therefore in the stock market. And we, we look forward to helping you yeah, guys walk well, through it and walk through it with us.
0: Indeed. Okay. Right, thanks, everybody.
1: Then, time to go play. Bye. See you guys